Well, hello, friends. The Lord be with y'all. Welcome to, and also with y'all, James Franklin here, one of your co-hosts. Hope you are all well, practicing safe physical distancing, but staying social, and I hope you're wearing a mask. Right now, it's early July, and things are getting worse in most places uh, in the U.S. with COVID, and churches here are still virtual, and I gotta say, it's getting tough to stay interested and connected, and I wonder if y'all are feeling the same, but we're all trying to do the best we can, and we're glad you're here, and we're glad you're tuning in. In this episode, Caleb talks with Kristen and Zandra. They are both college faculty in anthropology, and they're used to studying humans during volatile periods in history, so kind of relevant to what's going on right now. They discuss the shifting nature of higher education during this time and what it means to be young adults starting off their careers, having young families, and what they're doing to try and stay grounded through all this. So, without further ado, I hope you enjoy. This is Chaplain Caleb Tabor with the Cheshire House in Raleigh. The Cheshire House is an Episcopal ministry for campus students and also young adults in the Raleigh, North Carolina area. And I have two absolutely, utterly, and transcendently fantastic people with me today. Uh, would you two care please to introduce yourselves? Yeah, Christy, okay. go on. <laughs> uh, my name is Deandra Daniels. Uh, I have a son who is going to turn three this week. Um, yeah, it's his birthday. Um, and I am an assistant professor of anthropology at a small liberal arts college in Raleigh. At a small liberal arts college in Raleigh, which is my stomping grounds. So I'm especially happy uh, that you're here. <laughs> <laughs> and our other guest? Uh, I'm Kristen Sable. Um, I'm an assistant professor at a small liberal arts college um, up in Connecticut, although I spent some time around Raleigh myself. Um, I'm also a biological anthropologist, but my I'm in the biology department, actually, so I kind of moved over to the evolutionary side of things. I actually also have a three-year-old who um, turned three, and it was literally the last social event we had before the whole world shut down. So, um, yeah, similar boat here. Fantastic. Um, so one of the things that actually sort of struck me about um, the two of you, apart from the fact that we were, you know, sort of friends uh, outside of all this, is that you're both anthropologists um, in a in a pretty massively fascinating human period of time. <laughs> yeah, I am curious. I'm curious. Um, so before we get into a lot of the sort of meat of the other things, I'm just curious. Like, have you noticed yourself reflecting, like, kind of anthropologically about your own circumstances, or does that just kind of like you leave it at the you leave it at the office, or I guess since everyone's working from home, you leave it in the whatever you're using as your office and home. <laughs> I mean, I don't think it's possible. I have a hard time divorcing myself from being an anthropologist in my everyday life. It kind of is a part of who I am. 
Um, so yeah, I mean, constantly. And then um, my background is a lot of archeology, span so I have a thing for history. And so knowing history and knowing American history and knowing uh, and being like fascinated by times of upheaval or times of major change, like, yeah, how do you not look around and go, wow, this is really important stuff and really crazy things that are happening and massive cultural change going on. Mm. Yeah, I would agree with that. Like, I don't, I don't know that you, I mean, anthropology is sort of the study of humans, right? And so you're going to be studying all of the elements of it, right? You're getting the cultural side, you're getting the biological side, getting some of the archaeology if you're lucky, because that's like the super fun stuff. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't think once you learn how to look at cultures and pay attention to cultures, that that's something you set aside, especially when there is this massive movement towards cultural change that's happening around you. And then for me, um, my, uh, my PhD was actually in evolutionary biology, which um, I'm sort of tying into anthropology sort of from the side, which is why I kind of ended up in a biology department. Um, and so for me, a lot of this is um, coming at the biological differences that we see that are observed in humans and then trying to take the time in a class that's not really designed for it to sort of stuff in this sort of evolutionary knowledge to the students who might have totally different erroneous ideas of how humans are related to each other and what these some of these observable differences may or may not mean especially you know with everything that's going on now with the black lives matter movement and all of this you know as as everything was happening i was teaching um an anatomy and physiology course on skin like on the integumentary system from an from like an anatomy perspective mm. and so you know i, I like rapidly threw together some slides to be like, so let's talk about melanin and what it is and where you find it and who has it and why. And like, here's the research kind of behind that and how it's distributed across the equator because it has to do with protection from UV radiation. Just like, let's throw this in and really emphasize this before people have some kind of totally wrong, culturally constructed idea of what that kind of thing might mean. Yeah, we usually deal with it every semester. I usually have a week on it at the end of the semester. And this year, I'm kind of wondering about, especially because of how it interacts with coronavirus, because we've been seeing um, patterns of, you know, those people who have limited access to healthcare, limited um, uh, ability to stay home. Um, the one, you know, the essential workers are the workers who are doing some of the lowest paid labor in our society right now. Um, so they're being more exposed um, and not because of biological reasons, but because of cultural reasons. And so as a biological anthropologist, that's like the thing to look at. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm debating about moving up my stuff on race and skin color and melanin and the biology of all of that and then also the cultural impact of that because that's where i think it's really interesting with biological anthropology when you can start talking about how biology influences culture um, and cultural um, reactions to biology so uh, i think i should maybe move it up because it'll be a little more timely and you know <laughs> who knows if we'll make it to the end of the fall semester <laughs> Yeah, I think, yeah, I, th I would think that's probably something everybody's kind of um, coming into the semester with uh, kind of front and center of their minds, if I had to guess. <laughs> yeah, I'm assuming all of this will be 
first on the plate. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So um, the two of you are working from home presently, um, and you've had to figure out essentially how to take what is a the 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 profoundly human and um, interpersonal interaction that teaching is, and do it through a very different kind of medium very quickly. It's not like, you know, they were like, okay, you know, take six months or like go over the summer and figure out how you're going to do this. Like you have to like, like pedagogy is very, a very serious thing. You spend a lot of time learning best ways to do that. And, and you care about making sure that your students learn because you do care about them. That's why you do what you do. Uh, I am curious as to what, <laughs> Uh, what the hell? Like, <laughs> how have you figured out? Because, you know, like, we all had to become televangelists overnight, right? I was like, I will never right. do that. And all of a sudden, there I am, you know, uh, spritz to the hilt with hairspray saying friends into a camera, right? I'm already there. So, you know, what are y'all, what are y'all doing? Like, everybody's the great courses now, right? Like, <laughs> so we had, we had one day to, to move online. Um, and oh, my son's coming. <laughs> Come here real quick, give me a hug. Yeah, I'll, I'll meet myself. <laughs> so right, we had, you. yeah, so we had one day to get everything online. And they'd been kind of like, hey, maybe start maybe thinking about online stuff for like a couple of weeks before. Um, and then it was suddenly, um, class is closed tomorrow, everyone's going home, you have to be online. My course was such that, so there's 450 students enrolled in it at any given time. And so we have multiple lectures and like 20 or let's see, 25 sections of lab, whatever. It's huge. It's sprawling. And so for my initial transition, the biggest issue was technology. Like I had to figure out technologically how to get my students onboarded online. And then kind of even a, a bigger issue was trying to figure out how to get all of the lab instructors and all of the lecture instructors doing the same thing online when, and this is a major weakness in, in higher education is none of us have been trained to teach. Like very, very few of us, unless you get your degree in something that involves pedagogical training, none of us get that. You might be a teaching assistant and like see how that particular professor does it but there's there's all of this there's all of this discrepancy when none of us have pedagogical background you know to, to try to, to put this together so we had to kind of get everybody on the same page and then we're all trying to do research and figure out the best way to do it and um and yeah so so the technology was the biggest hurdle immediately just getting everybody on board but i think once everyone was pretty comfortable the um, the video functions like we use WebEx and we're doing this on Zoom and all that stuff has made a big difference. So originally, like when I recorded lectures previously, if I was sick or whatever, I would just do a voiceover of whatever it was I was doing, but I've sort of really been leaning into doing the full videos. And I feel like that makes a big difference with my connection with students because, you know, they'll email me and, and, and they watch me talk for like, you know, 30 to 40 minute chunks over the course of whatever we're covering. And I think having that video element and then having lots of just open office hours and my students actually use office hours. So that's nice. I know that's not true across, across yeah, yeah. board. Yeah. But so that's been a nice way to sort of maintain a connection there, but that's easily the trickiest part because you have some students who just drop off. And I think you have to be a lot more active now. I'll reach out and be like, Hey, you didn't turn in these assignments and you usually do your tests and you didn't. So I wanted to make sure everything's fine. 
you know, there's a lot more reaching out. Whereas previously it's like, Hey, if you live on campus and you stop coming to class, like eventually I'll reach out. But in a class of 80, that's kind of on you. Right. right. That was definitely for me. one of the biggest challenges was suddenly, um, I mean, so we're a small college, we value high impact practices. We're really into being hands-on, um, I always use the phrase high touch, but then I always think, oh, that's maybe not the best phrase, but high touch, <laughs> right? Yeah, we tend um, to avoid that in church. Yeah, we don't. Right, yeah. 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 <laughs> Figure, figuratively high touch. Yeah. <laughs> um, right, so, uh, and suddenly they're not there anymore. I can't holler at them in the hallway. And yeah. I can't, like, I mean, I'll know my students' roommates, and I will be like, hey, I haven't seen your roommate. You need to tell them to come see me, like, you know, so that you're missing all of that. And so helping them stay accountable and helping them stay um, on top of their stuff is really tricky um, when they're used to that, right? They're the kind of students who go to my university to get that kind of experience. And now that's much more difficult to do. It's just emails and um, I found texting was a lot better. So I use um, an app for texting where they don't have my phone number, but we can text back and forth. Um, so it's much more casual. Um, and that way they're not feeling pressured to, you know, put makeup on for um, Zoom or whatever. Um, and then they're also not like, um, they can just send me, it's not as formal, right? So they can, they, it's all on text speak, um, which I don't write in and I don't read very well, but that's okay. Um, I figure it out. Um, and so it's a much more comfortable way to discuss uh, things. But yeah, having to herd cats basically uh, digitally is gnarly. Yeah. Well, and I and mentioned to oh, go ahead. I was just going to say there's there's this this frustrating thing too where you know students make assumptions about how strict you're going to be about different things. Mm. So I had a student, for example, who <clears throat> was. Um, missed a couple assignments and, and like missed a quiz. And so I reached out to her and I was like, hey, this seems out of character. I just want to check in and make sure everything's fine. And she was like, oh yeah, you know, we had this family emergency and, you know, I missed the due dates. So I didn't like, and I was like, well, okay, I'm happy to give you an extension. I'm happy to reopen the quiz for you. I'm happy to do all these things. And I mean, it was just like, it never even, she missed it and it was her fault and she wasn't even going to ask. Yeah, and like the ship, the ship sailed, and that's it. Right? Yeah, and that's gonna affect my grade, and that's a bummer because I had this massive family issue. But oh well, and I'm like, okay. So after that experience, now I'm I'm definitely you know anytime there seems to be any kind of discrepancy, I'm like, hey, how are things? Do you want to meet? Because like I'm happy to work with you. You know, I mean, I many of my students live in New York. Many of my students live in New York City. Many many of my students live on Long Island right? I've got a lot of students who have a lot of things going on right now in terms of the curfews and the quarantine and, you know, people whose families own restaurants and are trying to get them online and all this stuff over the summer. So, you know, they've already, you know, said they're going to do these different things. I have a lot of students in healthcare because I'm teaching anatomy and physiology, right? And so I've tried, it's, it's amazing how many times I can say, I'm, I'm willing to be super flexible. I'm going to keep this test open for however many days, but if you can't do it. Let me know. I'm happy to blah, blah, blah. And then I find out students are like, oh, well, I just didn't think you would let me. <laughs> I know. I, I don't know. I don't know how to fix that. Yeah. <laughs> like I just keep saying like every single email or every single post, like, or every text, 
tell me if something's going on. Tell me if you're stressed out. If you're stressed out, let's talk about it. Let's figure out a way to do it. And I think there's a little bit of, um, I don't know. I don't know if it's generational or not, but, um, and I, and I always hesitate to paint an entire generation with one brush. Um, but I think there's just a lack of advocacy for themselves. Like they, they need to, um, and, and it's also hard to advocate for yourselves when you're already stressed out and you're already um, feeling like everything's against you, like reaching out to a professor and then having them say no, that's just one more thing. So, but I do always try to put it out there like, no, I'm not going to say no in this scenario. Like, if this yeah. was a very normal semester, maybe, probably not, but maybe. Yeah. <laughs> so, but yeah, you just, I, I, it's hard to ask for help when you're, when you already feel like you're drowning. Um, so one other fascinating thing about it is, you know, to hear you, to hear you two talk about fostering and, and, and educating and um, trying to help people learn how to grow into adulthood is really fascinating. And you're not like, you know, the 65 year old tweed wearing ethereal professors that sort of float around campus. Um, Maybe one you're, day. You're in your early, you're in your early 30s, <laughs> right? Yeah, I still like tweed. Oh, well, yeah, there's nothing wrong saying. with tweed, honey. No, I was like, Kristen definitely has elbow patches. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the main reason I moved to Connecticut was so that I could wear tweed and elbow patches. Like, Yeah, it's too hard in North Carolina to do it. But I like it. Yeah. I love that. Um, <laughs> but the point is, like, you both also still kind of in a really important developmental part of your adulthood. Um, mm -hmm. And your careers end up being in kind of an early part of your careers, not what you really thought they would be, while you're also starting off with young families. So could y'all reflect on that a little bit? Yeah. So my career, uh, like, I've been teaching for, I've been at my university for almost seven years. Um, but I'm a little different than like Kristen because I don't have a PhD. I'm only a master's only. Um, yeah, I have a master's. Um, <laughs> so, um, it's a little different I and I'm not tenure track. And so I've, I'm kind of at a point in my career where I've been doing this for a while and I have some standing in my university, um, a little bit, not a lot. <laughs> and, um, and I have a reputation in my school and stuff like that. And so, which is really one of the reasons why we decided to start our family because we got to the point where I was stable there and, uh, and I was going to be there for a while and I knew I was going to be there for a while. And so it's like, okay, now we can start a family. Um, but we had intended on having a larger family uh, and then the world blew up. <laughs> and so there's definitely been more of an impact on my personal life than my professional in terms of what I'm able to achieve. Um, we don't know if we're going to have another one now. Uh, we, like, we only have my, my one son and I don't know if we're going to have a second kid because we were hoping to do that soon. And now I don't know. Small liberal arts colleges didn't do great the last recession. You know, we'll see how it goes this recession. Um, we don't know uh, if it's safe, right? We don't know what, what the future is in terms of illness and health and safety and stuff like that. Um, and what the ultimate financial issue is going to be here. And then the political landscape is pretty weird. Um, who knows? Yeah, well, I'm trying to be nice. But <laughs> 
Um, and so, you know, who knows? You can, this, is a, this is a church podcast. The truth will set you free, honey. Just say it. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So I have concerns about if our current administration will continue. I don't, like, if they, if they continue, I don't know if it's safe for me to have more children in this country. Mm. So there's a lot all going on right now. And it sucks that my personal life and my personal decisions are going to be impacted by that. But, you know. I'm grateful for the, for my son as he is. Right. And like, maybe it won't be the life I envisioned for him, or maybe it won't be the life I envisioned for myself, but you know, at least I have him and that's good. That's a happy thing. And hopefully we'll be able to stay safe. As my grandma once said, life is just a series of adjustments and readjustments. Yeah, it really uh, is. I've been having a hard time with it though. Yeah. Oh, she didn't say it was easy. This is a a woman who very much likes a schedule and likes to know what to expect. So what what, what I left out of that story is she's like, life is just full of adjustments, giant swig of coffee and readjustments. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Adjustments suck. (laughs) Yeah, they do. They do. Um, But they happen. Kristen, what do you, what do you think about that, darling? Well, so, so I'm, I'm, I've got a lot of the same kind of thinking going on as Andrew does. We had just started talking about whether we were thinking. So like I said, I already, I also have a three-year-old son and we had just started talking about whether that was, if we wanted to add to our family or anything like that. And, um, uh, and, and so for me, this whole thing, so actually before any of this started, so last fall, before, before, the, you know, the, the COVID-19 sort of pandemic had reached, the United States or had exploded in a way that people were super aware of it um, before all of, of these more immediate, urgent political things sort of, sort of, I mean, we already had some pretty gnarly political situations happening, right? Obviously for yeah. the last yes. a little bit of time for sure. Um, but yeah, so last fall I was, I was actually having a lot of anxiety about um, my short-term goals and my long-term goals and being able, like both for family and professionally and long-term. So my short-term goals were like, okay, I need to get these things published so that I can, you know, be out for tenure and I need to find a good daycare for my son. And like all of these little, like make sure Malcolm has good, you know, developmental blah, blah, blah. And we need to go camping this weekend. Like what? And then, and then, you know, at the same time, I've been very much following and aware of all of the really terrifying um, predictions about climate change. Right. And so, right. And so, which is something that has kind of faded into the distance in terms of the amount of attention. I try not to think about it. It usually gets into my head and I'm like, oh my God, I can't do it. I can't do it. So for me, it was this whole like, okay, in the next, you know, however many years I'm going to go up for tenure, should we buy a house? Right. And so there's these kinds of choices where it's like, do I buy a house? Because I'm going up for tenure in the next like five years. So maybe, um, we'll be staying here for a while, or maybe the oceans will drown this entire part of the country and I'll need to move somewhere else. Like, oh, I should be worrying about getting Malcolm, you know, able to, you know, comfortably do these things. And I should, you know, really be doing my best for him in terms of teaching him like fine motor skills because he's three, you know, and what kind of survival techniques does Malcolm need to know? Can I get myself enrolled in like a foraging class? Like, where should we even be here because the northeast is warming more rapidly than any other part of the country right now right and so i have these things happening and then all of this other stuff happens which again is these super urgent short term like you can't go out 
I need to have, I need to pick up my groceries from the store and then like run home and completely de, you know, just clean, sanitize myself, you know, these kinds of things. And then long-term, this is the beginning of all of these new diseases that are going to be more prevalent. And like, this is going to keep happening just like the hurricanes this season is going to keep getting worse. And so like, we are at this brink where it sometimes feels impossible, at least for me, it sometimes feels impossible to balance what should I care about right now while I'm running this class and I've got these students and I have to write their test and I got to get this graded and I need to you know, make sure my research is, versus like, what should I be caring about right now? Do I have the mental capacity to balance my short-term urgent needs with these long, big picture, what the world is doing right now stresses? Do I want to have another child, right? And then I'm weighing, okay, do I have another kid so that my first son will have a companion if something happens to us in the post-apocalyptic wasteland he'll be living in in 2015? Or not, because then I'm bringing another child into a post-apocalyptic wasteland. Like, I mean, and that seems extreme and it is hyperbolic, but there is an element there of just like, how can I possibly make this choice? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's a hellacious game of whack-a-mole as far as I'm concerned in terms of like, <laughs> like the global and social issues. I'm just like, I just beat one of you little bastards down and now another one's popped his ugly head up out of the hole. Um, oh but that actually leads really nicely into my final sort of uh, question or prompting here is um, <laughs> what are y'all doing to stay grounded? <laughs> well, I got back into therapy. Fantastic. Yeah, it's been really good. It's yeah, no, a little bit. Um, yeah, and then I, um, so I, I had postpartum depression when my son was born, and it's kind of just been a thing since then. Um, and so managing that on top of everything else has been a little crazy. Um, there was a news report the other day about Zoloft being uh, <laughs> being a shortage because of everything going on, and I was like, mm -mm, nope, no, we are not okay with this. <laughs> But so far, I haven't had any issues. That's so good. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's really just been—it's not easy. It's just I don't know. I don't. I don't know that I've achieved that. I don't know if I've achieved mm. being grounded. Um, well, do you have any uh, animal so, you know, crossing is, and going to therapy? Yeah, and are, are you like exploring any kind of spiritual practices that might help you cultivate a sense of groundedness and all of it? Oh, not so much. Um, <laughs> okay. I've, I've never. Uh, I had a I had a strong spiritual um, family uh, back home in Seattle where I'm from, and I never was able to find a similar uh, mm. group like that out here. Uh, and so it's just it's never since I moved out here and I've been here eight years now. Um, it just hasn't been as much a part of my life anymore. Mm. So um, yeah, mostly I've been relying on therapy. An animal crossing. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely thought you said animal crackers there for a second at the end, and I was no. like, oh, like, honey. Well, those are good yes. too. <laughs> With some Nutella, honey, that's talk oh. about living in the moment. <laughs> no, I've been doing frosting. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we're, going, we're going in hard. <laughs> we're, not, we're not messing around here. <laughs> oh. All right, Kristen. <laughs> um, yeah, so one thing that I was, and, and this, this, I was pretty bitter um at first with working from home because the way everything turned out was that my already busy job got like twice as hard 
So I went from working 40 hour weeks to working like 50 and 60 hour weeks, just frantically trying to get everything online for like a month and a half. And so it was, I, I, I am in a, in a place where I have a stable job. And so I recognize that from a position of privilege, it is, it is, you know, I am very lucky to have been in a really good job, but it was so frustrating that it was like, I have no time. I have so much less time to spend with my son. I have so much less time to do anything else. And so I was swamped with work until probably about two weeks ago and was um, kind of bitter about it because I had friends who were sort of going through the, the, you know, dealing with the fact that maybe they were uncertain about their future and all of these things that are very real issues. And then they're like, well, I'm going to make the best of my free time by doing all of these awesome grounding. I'm going to do all we'll learn French and get a sourdough starter. Right. Yeah, exactly. And I was just, I can't spending so much less time with my son and I'm spending so much less time doing the things I want to do. And so, and so, um, like I said, absolutely a position of privilege because I recognize I'm like getting paid this whole time, which many, many, many people do not have. And so, you know, I recognize that, but it was, it added a level of bitterness to my st gener other stress. Um, but recently we've been able to start spending a lot of time outside. And so we've had actually sort of a beautiful spring this June. <laughs> And so it's been like in the upper 60s, low 70s for the last like 10 days. And we have just been spending hours and hours and hours outside now that my schedule has slowed down a little bit. And that has done a lot for me. Um, it was interesting because I actually was telling my husband that I wanted to get involved in therapy, like, like Xandra was saying. Um, I had gone to a therapist previously and that was like one of the weirdest least helpful experiences I've ever had. And so I was kind of like, okay, well, hmm, maybe that's not, maybe that's not for me. Right. <laughs> so, and so, um, and so I was kind of trying to sort of get, think about how to do that again, but the logistics of doing anything. So my state is still like super shut down. And so it's like, I haven't gone to the dentist this year and I haven't gone to get like a physical and there's all these things. I'm like, I, I guess I could do sort of an online therapist, but I'm not sure how to even start that. And so I've just been spending time outside. Mm. Um, we were actually just starting to, uh, reach out to some local Episcopalian churches in the area. Cause I was raised Episcopalian, mm -hmm. so even though I'm not really practicing in that way anymore, the community there is really nice. Mm -hmm. And we found a church that we really liked and we were just sort of working our way up to joining in mostly because I wanted my son to be like culturally fluent in some of these elements and then, mm -hmm. you know, kind of get a side education at home from, I was a religious studies major in undergrad. So I could sort of flesh that out a little bit, I think with some, mm -hmm. some, uh, some other, other perspectives, but, but boom, then they shut down and crumb shut down and everything shut down. So we've just been spending a lot of time outside, I think. And that's, that's helped me a lot. Um, I think. Yeah. So, I don't know. It's not really meditation. Like I'm not purposely consciously, attempting to ground myself but just being outside especially when my home is now my office and so yeah. the stress of work is in my bedroom <laughs> like yeah. literally so one of the things that's been really 
uh, interesting for me to reflect on in terms of going outside is I've heard a lot of people talk about spending time outside as a way of, pardon the pun, grounding themselves <laughs> um, and getting in touch with a world sort of outside of life as it is with all of its upheaval in the present. You know, us pagans do that literally. I was going to say, yeah, that's very nature-based, <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> it is. So. I, think, I think that's all, like, I think you absolutely have a point there. I think it's going to become more of an issue if we have a serious increase, an even greater increase in what's going on as we hit the sort of sweltering, gnarly days of summer. <laughs> yeah. like, because we have the benefit of the, you know, silver lining here as some of this is happening in spring when it mm -hmm. is lovely and compelling to go outside. You know, I, I live in a house that doesn't have air conditioning. And, yeah. And it gets pretty warm here. So we have one room that has air conditioning. So... That's crazy. <laughs> I not that part of the north at all. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think when this house was built in, like, yeah. the 1920s it was maybe less of an issue but and it's gonna just keep becoming more i was gonna say see previous discussion about global warming uh yeah. well <laughs> thank not you undermine, not to undermine your lovely sort of thoughtful philosophy there i'm just thinking about how antagonistic my relationship gets with the outdoors and like <laughs> oh yeah yeah fortunately i actually kind of like it when it's hot outside so i imagine i'll probably be doing similar things but yeah that does present something of an issue going forward i guess we'll see how it all works itself out one of the things i've tried to specialize in lately is holding all things loosely um because you never know uh what fresh hell each new day is going to bring <laughs> so <laughs> Ugh, yeah even coping mechanisms i'm holding them loosely well, uh, thank you both so much for your time. I really genuinely enjoyed this conversation and everybody who's listening, I wanna thank you as well. Uh, our guests today were Zandra Daniels, who has a fantastic, fantastic like news reporter name, and uh, Kristen Savel. Uh, they both work in higher education and uh, they you know, have young families and um, we've really appreciated their reflections on their experiences so far. And I know I speak for everyone in the Diocese of North Carolina when I wish you both absolutely well. Well, thank you. Yeah, thank thanks you. for having us. It was nice absolutely. to see you guys. It was yeah. nice to see you too, dear. it for this episode of and also with y'all if you're looking for a spiritual home and a place where your questions and doubts are welcome find your local episcopal church or visit us online at episdionc.org for more information or connect with us through the yeah nc app y-e-a-h-n-c drop us a review if you get a chance and let us know how we're doing but as always, we are wishing you peace through Jesus Christ during this anxious time, especially. And BT dubs, God thinks you're fabulous and delights in you. Thanks a lot for listening.